Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. We hope you'll come along for the conversation, and you can be part of that conversation by leaving comments at the website, untanglingchristianity.com slash 70. You'll also find related notes and links for this episode at the same place. I'm John Polstra. And I'm Greg Monte. And Greg's stay at Swiss Free is rapidly coming to an end. thought this would be a good episode to talk about what your experiences have been there, Greg, what you're thinking, what you've mm-hmm. learned, what's changed, what's not changed, what's mm-hmm. next for you now that you're leaving there, and are you really leaving for reals this time? <laughs> well, yeah, we put off our, we've, we've, you know, put off our return How many twice. times? Twice. twice, okay. <laughs> it was supposed to be August, we put it off to the end of, to the beginning of October, and then we put it all the way back to... Uh, the tenth of December. So we are for real, for reals. leaving <laughs> reals, leaving on the tenth of December. Uh, getting back to Canada on the tenth, and then back to Alberta, which is where uh, we live. Uh, we're going to spend a little time in Toronto, see some friends, see some family. Uh, be back in Alberta on the sixteenth. What will transpire once you get there? You're you've continued to do your remote job. From mm-hmm. Switzerland, it sounds like, mm-hmm. and you'll continue to do that, or do you do you see uh, your mediation practice heating up, or what, what what's going on there? Well, you know, there is a bit of a discussion um... <laughs> with Susan. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Actually. A bit of a discussion <laughs> that means <laughs> contentious debate or vigorous debate. Well, <laughs> well, uh, the, the the kids are trying to persuade us to come back again next summer oh my gosh that was one of my questions i have a little list of questions i want to ask you today i was like how soon do you think you'll be back there <laughs> well it, it, it could be next summer we face some um, uh interesting moments when we leave because it appears that we have actually there is a, a limit to how long you can stay in certain parts of europe now and we have overstayed that and sometimes they let you go with a warning and sometimes they uh, try to fine you and sometimes they <laughs> will prohibit you from coming back. So <laughs> we'll, obviously if – We'll air this after you get home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if they, um, if they try to fine us or prohibit us, well, I mean we're, we'd have to try to – So you could be barred from returning to Europe? Apparently. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't get it, right? Like, oh, I'm not using any of your services and I'm spending money. I'm giving you my money and I'm not, you're not, you know, paying anything or it's not costing you anything. But I think there, it's, it's, we're, we've, we're caught, we're the wrong, we're a fish caught in the wrong net. It's an immigration net and we're caught in it nevertheless. So if everything would happen to go rosy on that front, then there would be a continued discussion about whether we'd come back next summer. And if that were the case, then I think that I would, um, go a little bit slower with the mediation and focus a little more on writing and reading. I've actually managed to get an awful lot of writing done this summer, which is one of the attractants for me to come back and then thinking that, okay, now that I know some of the schedule that I could maintain, maybe I could work with 
I don't know, two, 3,000 words, like finished quantity of words a week. If we're here for a summer, maybe I could get 50,000 words. That's enough for a That's small a ebook. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You know, and we're talking about getting some ebooks out there for the untanglingchristianity.com uh, site and just to kind of give people a little more context, a little more information. And um, it's actually been pretty productive in terms of writing while I've been here. So, so what have, what's come out of your writing? What Have you had any big revelations? Or I think we've probably talked about some of them along the way, but... Yeah. Well, you know, you and I, I remember one of our first, uh, one of our first uh, correspondence on the podcast, one of the topics that we broached with her was the topic of experience. And, uh, you know, I think a pretty important topic of experiences of God or of God sort of acting in the world, acting in our lives, showing up in certain ways. And I hadn't realized how big of a writing project it would be to kind of lay out some of what I'm thinking about, what I'm trying to articulate on that subject, what my experiences have been, and what would be sufficient background, not just in terms of background about me, but theoretical, philosophical, theological background for that kind of a discussion to be fruitful. And that's actually really what I've been working on in the last, say, six weeks. And I have got a lot of, uh, I mean, I don't know how many words I've got together about that. Probably 15,000 finished words, which is not bad. I mean, it's a start. And then um, maybe 25 kind of rough. And uh, that's that's only six weeks. So that's pretty good. So what are you going to do with all those words? Well, again, I want to put those into an ebook and try to get that out there. And I think that mm. uh, that one correspondent I'm talking about, our, our listener that I'm thinking of, I'm really looking forward to re-engaging with her because I told her I'd have her some of this stuff a while back. And now that I'm seeing the scope of it, I realize why it's taken me so long. But I also feel pretty encouraged that I managed to get so much done on it. And um, it is really, I, I just feel really good about it. So can you give us any highlights of what you what you've discovered, what you've crystallized? Well, I, I think it's that whole the whole question or discussion about everyday experiences versus exceptional experiences. That's what I would maybe call it. And I think a lot of times what people are looking at, what Christians are looking at or looking for are indications that God is real. And one of the ways that they believe, but that a lot of people believe, in other words, that they can adjudicate whether God's real or not, or you know, if they believe God's real, but they want their Christian lives to somehow be more satisfying, they think that that, that measure of realness and that, that degree of satisfaction can come through certain experiences related to God. Well, that sounds like and, what I was asking in, in, I think, episode 69. The okay. Whole, no, that, that that's interesting. The the intersection. No, because I was asking about you know the question I was asking myself every day about you know where have I seen God today and ah oh, yeah 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 and then why is this question driving me crazy because I feel like I can never answer it and then as we talked it was it was more of the realization of this isn't the there's maybe a better question or a better way to be going about this than this these specific words because these specific words in this specific specific perspective are not necessarily taking me personally to a good place to a helpful right. place 
Right, right. Yeah. And of course, it's a tricky, it's a tricky question. And as, the, as I got into writing it, I could sort of see even from my perspective where I do feel I've had some of these particularly, um, you know, dense, important experiences. And I do feel I've got uh, credible explanations for why I think they're connected to God, why I think it would be better to interpret them as evidence for God acting in the world versus, I don't know, coincidence or happenstance or, you know, just random events. But yeah, it's, it's tricky and it's involved. And then maybe in episode 69, did we also talk about this whole idea of, you know, that one of the, the, an idea that I'm working with now, which is that, um, we can expect, I think, our, in terms of our expectations about experiencing God acting in the world, I expect God to act personally, but I don't necessarily expect God to act individually. So, in other words, I expect that God will act in certain ways in certain people's lives. No, I don't and think we – I don't know that we were that specific. We, okay. We slash you. <laughs> <laughs> You've got way more of this figured out than I do. Um, but that's interesting. So because I feel like the whole evangelical presentation of of Christianity is, you know, your personal Lord and Savior. Yeah. And your well, personal think, relationship with Jesus. Yeah, but I don't think that that personal relationship needs to encompass every aspect of what Christianity can be. I'm only one human being. You know, I'm not going to expect that my relationship with my spouse is going to have, like, you know, Susan's really, really gifted and capable in certain areas. In other areas, she's not so gifted and capable. So it's not really, and you might, it's not really realistic for me to expect that she's going to, you know, hit 10 out of 10 in, in every area. And although we might expect, you know, well, God's perfect, so God's always a 10 everywhere. Well, yeah, but I'm still me. I'm still me. I'm still limited. I, I, I get some, maybe if I'm lucky on a good day, I'll get an eight and a half out of 10, some, you know, on some category of, of whether it's physical activity or, you know, fun and enjoyment or self-improvement or whatever. But I don't think it's realistic to expect that I, as a person, I'm going to have that whole gamut of relationality with God. I mean, even if you look at the examples in the New Testament with the apostles, there are differences in how those individuals and the disciples, you know, what sort of interaction they have with, with, with Jesus in these, in these stories. And I think to expect that I'm going to be a, an amalgam of all of them and get the best out of everything is just, that's just not realistic. And the other part of that too is that I think faith is always involved. You know, faith is always involved and trust is always involved. I think those are mainstays of a relationship with God. So my expectation within the context of a Christian relationship with this, this entity that, that, you know, in the Old Testament referred to as Yahweh and, and that Christianity just referred to as God is that there's always going to be um, – oh, here I've gone. I lost my, lost my train of thought. What was I saying there for a second? Oh, yeah, the whole, the whole thing about – you know, being an amalgam of all the best of whatever the apostles or the disciples, there are always going to be areas where uh, there, there's, there's a necessity of trust and necessity of faith. 
But how does that all tie back to experience? Well, I would say that uh, I guess that point I was raising earlier about experience being personal but not necessarily individual. On the one hand, I would say I personally, I as a person, believe that the exodus took place more or less as it's recounted. So I believe in this kind of, you know, contest between Moses as representing God, the, the Yahweh of the Old Testament, and the various, you know, m- magicians or, or, or persons, persons of power in the, the Egyptian empire and this, this contest that went on. And there ultimately, um, the Hebrew people left. And then ultimately, there was an army that followed them. That army was somehow destroyed, you know, in, in something that looked like um, some sort of a, 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 a miraculous event. Um, but I also have a personal expectation that God is going to show up and act into history in the lives of people around me. And that God has been doing this over all those years between whenever this moment of Exodus occurred in the past for the Israelites and my time now. But I don't think that it has to occur in my life. Sometimes I think it does. And I think some of those events typically are events that involve healing. Not necessarily physical healing, but healing of our ability to interact with God on two levels, which I think are the primary two levels I'm coming back to. You know where? Love and truth. If I can't see myself as lovable, if I cannot accept love, then I cannot possibly be in right relationship with God who is love and who commands love. Well, no, it's interesting that you say personal, but maybe not necessarily through you, but through other people. Like, what I'm really looking for, maybe I'm looking mm-hmm. for the wrong thing, mm-hmm. I I don't, I care less that someone else has experienced God. I've, I want to experience it for myself, because a good portion of my entire life is being surrounded by people that were, quote, experiencing slash new God or no God, and mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to know God through them. <laughs> I want to know God through me. <laughs> okay, I hear so that. So I don't like your presentation. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, that's very honest. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I would have a couple I mean, things to say. I mean, that's not what's been advertised to me all these years. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. It's yours. It's not someone else's. Yeah, but, oh, man, how is that being defined? You know, on the one hand, what is this personal relationship? Has it ever been, where is the expectation that God is going to kind of show up in my life and do what? For what purpose? Right? I think this all comes back to expectations based on who God is, what God's aiming at, what are God's priorities in terms of the Christian God. And then the other point has to reflect, I think, on, as you said, all these people who have, how did you put it? They've experienced or know God or, you know, they'll they'll be like, oh, yeah, it was such a great day. You know, I just really sensed God's presence or I had okay. this really difficult situation at work and God miraculously changed it and made it all better. I but was I- sick. I was sick or I had this disease and, you know, I just felt God's presence and now everything's better doesn't always turn out that way but there's a sense that 
there's this, just this positive cosmic force that's just kind of always around them, making their lives better and more satisfying and enjoyable and amazing. And so why wouldn't everyone want that? Okay. I hear that. Yeah. Why wouldn't everybody want that? What was your take or your read on how credible their stories were? Well, I believe they were true because I've been looking for the same thing myself. <laughs> I'll, uh, yeah, okay. I, I would, that's a really interesting question. Yeah, because I don't find myself in a position wanting to... I mean, these are people I really trust. So, yeah, I'm not wanting to say, oh, they're crazy or they just made it up or I, I assume that it that these are real, true experiences for them. Okay. Well, I guess I'm thinking about times or situations that you've recounted to me, like you mentioned being at a kind of a rally event or some sort of youth leader event and, you know, uh, it, it being fairly emotional and uh, putting some questions to your, your youth leader about this, this person, this representative from the church about how this all works and getting some very insubstantial answers back, answers that weren't convincing. Mm, yeah, no, that was asking, I think, a yeah, high school group leader, mm -hmm. how do you really know God exists? Mm -hmm. I guess I've just heard you talk a lot, though, John, about people saying, you know, that, 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 that thing that, you know, our lives are better, Christians' lives are better, and oh, those poor people who are, who are you know, they don't know Christ and your oh yeah, the, they have this. They have the God-shaped hole in them that they don't realize that they have. <laughs> yeah, and then you've. I've, what I've heard you say is, you look around at them and you look around at the Christians, and, you, and you, you've. I think I've heard you say Sometimes, for the most part. Yeah, it seems backwards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in other words, the Christians are constantly striving and trying to turn themselves inside out to get their sin list to zero and do all the things they quote should be doing. And okay, so. Are we talking about two different groups of people here? Because I'm a little confused. <laughs> Maybe I'm confused. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, like I think I'm lumping. Yeah, okay, you're keeping me honest. This is good. I would say there I'm probably lumping five different groups of people together. It's just not a fair characterization. That's a pretty schizophrenic person. Because <laughs> <laughs> I... I guess on the one hand, and, and maybe if I can, if this is fair, I don't know if I can ask this question. Is it fair to distinguish between how respectable you find somebody to be, how well you think of them, and versus how easy it is to grasp hold of some of these things by way of experience or some this experiential component about their Christianity or about their relationship with God. I'm wondering, like, are these, are you, say that last part again. Well, I'm wondering how much are you talking about when you say that, 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 that it sounds credible or whatever, how much are you saying these people are generally credible people or these people are generally respectable people or, you know, I think these are good people versus whatever they've told me makes sense. Whatever they've told me is convincing about their experiences of God. I think these really are experiences of God when they explain them all to me. Or is it more like, hey, these are generally credible people, so if they say they've had an experience of God, I believe them. There, No, there are some real... 
Yeah, I need to think more about that. I guess what's coming to me is there are some real family of origin. In other words, Christianity goes goes way back in my family. Like it's right. not just something my parents had; it's mm. something that both of their parents had. Right. And I think, if I remember the history correct, it might even go back another generation beyond that. Mm. So, in some ways, I've been immersed in this. There. You know, people I've known since I was zero mm-hmm. that hold very firmly to this faith. Mm-hmm. Some outside of my immediate family are extremely respected in their community okay. and kind of look to be kind of like the gold standard of what a Christian is. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, I would say people that I've known and trusted my entire life hold to this belief system, say that it works, say that it's the best belief system out there, okay. say that it makes a, a distinct difference in their lives. And then I would say a subset of these people would also say, yeah, if you don't have it, there's a huge emptiness in your life that you just don't know that you have, which seems a little disingenuous to me. That that When we start going into that territory, then I start to get a little uncomfortable, and then I start to feel like, you know what? That feels a little presumptuous to me, considering mm-hmm. that you've never lived outside of the system. You've always been fully immersed in the system. Mm-hmm. It seems a little bit of a reach to come to those conclusions or judgments when I've spent almost more time now outside of the system than in it. In other right. words, my workplace has not been a Christian workplace, and the people, I would say majority, well, yeah, majority of the people I know these days are not. Christians and in that setting and in getting to know those people I realized that what had been advertised to me or or in other words the way that quote those other people had been described to me and how empty their lives was it wasn't true Mm -hmm. now you know the if I were to take this back though to some of the people in my family they'd say well that's just because those people aren't being honest with themselves (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, you kind of end up in this loop, this kind of like endless loop of of doubt. But it's like, well, at a certain point, you've got to just take someone at their word, and you know, match their words to their actions, and say, I'm thinking of one person in particular. I'm not particularly close to them, but I've mm-hmm. known them over the years, and I don't think they have any place or need for God. Mm-hmm. And I would say they're pretty squared away and established in their lives. And yeah, I don't, I don't sense any any angst or striving or wow, if I could only like find the missing piece then my life would be better. Right. Well, but now I think I'm wandering all over the place. So bring me back. All right. Well, let me, let me try. Um, so I think what I've heard you say is that in terms of Christianity, at least there is a degree of uh, respectableness or almost eminence that that you would see at least, and I, I I'm I'm kind of taking that at face value. I'm taking that as being legitimate. Okay, I'm not questioning it. That you would see at least with 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 some of the people, whether they're in your family or or kind of close to the spheres that that you have grown up with, or you know that are kind of in some way related to or close to your family. And I guess what I'm focusing on is the the, the I think where we started with the conversation was about experience and experiencing God, experiencing God acting in the world, experiencing God, uh, as I put it, personally, but not individually. And you said, well, hey, I want to have that, yes. that individual 
impact that individual experience. And, and that's I, what I'm looking for. Okay. And then I was pushing you towards back towards some of the comments you made about specific people. And I guess what I'm, what I'm, who, who may have said, you know, something happened in my day and, and God made it better, or I, I, I'm not doing a good job at paraphrasing, but, but God somehow acted in an, in an appreciable and perceptible way in my life. And I guess what my question to you is, are you basing your viewpoint on their, whatever they may have described, based on their eminence as persons or based on the evidence of the facts that they've given you about such and such an experience. Yeah, no, I think you're, you and I are kind of saying the same thing. Maybe you're saying it better than I said it. Yeah, that was the, the realization that I was having as we're talking is, hmm, yeah, how much of this is... I mean, and you'll hear... I mean, I've heard this kind of described in, in families, like really dysfunctional families, where... Mm. And every family has, and it's not like saying I wasn't in one. Um, <laughs> but the, the sense of when really like bad things happen to children at young ages, and it involves their parents, it's often hard to find fault with the parent because the parent is the parent. The parent is the primary caregiver. The mm-hmm. parent, if if the parent is wrong, like there's no room in a child's paradigm for the parent being wrong. Because if the parent right. is wrong and can't protect the child, you're completely hosed. So right. like that isn't even an option or a possibility that comes into a child's head as as far as in, in my armchair understanding of psychology. I think you're right. Yeah. So I wonder, yes, I'm wondering if some of that ties in here for me. Okay. Yeah, because I I would I would really kind of on the one hand, I'm not I'm not trying to cast any aspersions or look down on the eminence of of certain individuals who for various reasons, may hold positions of, of prestige or, or, or of, of a certain degree of honor, if you like, or accomplishment or whatever. But I am, I would want to distinguish between uh, the most eminent of persons and the facts, the evidence from facts surrounding any claims to God acting in the world. And so part of the writing that I've been doing is trying to build up to even investigate and and lay out a framework for credibility and for credibly assessing these types of things. So if I'm going to say God acted in my life in these three ways, then I want to do that in a way that first of all for myself is an analysis or an assessment of just how credible my own interpretation is. Because above and beyond wanting to have this or that relationship with God or whatever, my primary orientation is towards truth. I don't want to have some, I don't know, pie-in-the-sky delusional relationship with a non-existent being. Just because it makes you feel good. Yeah, I mean, that, that's part of, I think, what we're trying to do as human beings is come to consciousness so that that type of thing does not make us feel good. That type of thing makes us feel extremely uncomfortable because part of what it is to be a human being is to live in reality with an awareness of possibility, right? The hard, cold facts of me sitting in this room in front of a computer with a microphone are not the only facts that exist, or I could keep listing off facts. The potential for certain states of affairs that aren't, aren't real right now are really vibrantly important for my life. So it's not just about what's 
true and real. It's about what could be and what's possible. But all of that is kind of, yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to have a, uh, as broad a picture as I can. And when it comes to thinking about how God acts in the world, I want to make sure that I'm laying out, setting a table, I guess, where credibility has pride of place, right? It's not just about how, what I've experienced or how important this is for me or what the upshot is, but the question of credibility is always on the table and I want to be upfront with everything so that if I present some of my experiences, whether we do it over, you know, a podcast and it's uh, uh, an audio recording or it's in words, ideally it would be both, that there's always space for somebody to say, hey, I don't believe that. Uh, or I don't believe the conclusions you've drawn. But I always want to make sure that I'm clear and that I tell people why I'm convinced. So you're wanting people to ha- start with kind of the same source materials? In other words, yeah, you, you're trying, well, trying to lay out here all the source materials and here's how I put the pieces together. Yeah, exactly. I want them to be able to go through it all and say, oh, well, I don't, I don't particularly agree with this. I mean, we had this conversation, I don't know, was it 69 or was it a couple episodes before that about a woman who was, pardon me, who was here at Labrie and she was trying to convince myself and another person of her, the validity of her point of view. She wasn't necessarily wanting to get us to believe what she believed, but to accept that what we what she thought was 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 a good enough position for her or somebody else, even if we didn't believe it. I think it was sixty six. Was it? Yeah. And when she finally got us down to, she got us down to an experience that she laid on the table. And my sense was, without going into it again, and we can kind of refer back to episode sixty six. My sense was, I don't think anybody had engaged with this experience, with her recounting of this experience, and actually said, you know, I've got some. Uh, I've got some questions about how you're viewing this. I've got some questions about the conclusions that you've drawn. And I'm open to those questions from people. I want to give people enough substance so that on the one hand, I think that these situations are persuasive towards the idea of God existing and of the biblical truth claims having truth value, specifically claims about God caring for me, God loving me, God showing up, God being true, and what that truth means in the context of a particular human life. But I also recognize that it cuts both ways, right? So I give people all the goods and they say, ah, gee, Greg, don't like the way you put this and this together. Little skeptical about this. Okay, good enough. You know, and that's a point of discussion, right? Or it could be if somebody is interested in discussing it. I would just come back to you and say, I would want to be careful to distinguish between how eminent that person is for whatever reason, and I'm not judging. No, I really, no, no, I, I re, yeah, I appreciate your your caveats, but I don't hear it, and I really like this idea of eminence. Like, I like that word, and yeah, it's it seems like a very polite way of putting a very tricky situation. <laughs> well, y- y- it's funny because I've got a friend, a good friend, who's in uh, epidemiology, medical research, and he talked about the transition in medical research in the mid late nineteenth century. And up until that point, medical research was based on the eminence of persons, a given doctor who'd performed given surgeries. You know, bear in mind at this point, you know, life and death was a very tricky thing, right? Women are still dying in childbirth. That hardly happens in the Western world anymore. So you'd see these fellows, they've got great reputations because they're keeping people alive. 
So if they're saying that this is how this thing works, they're an eminent person because of their batting average, if you like, listen to them. But the move in epidemiology was from the eminence of persons to the evidence of facts. And that's the same move that I would want to make when it comes to talking about experience. That's fascinating. I may be eminent in my community. I may be somebody who does a lot of good things. You may not believe in my viewpoints, but you may say, oh, gee, look, Greg's, uh, I don't know, he's donated a lot of money here and he puts a lot of time here and he's helped out this community and this group of people. And then I may tell you something about my experience. Well, I hope that you're still going to weigh that up on the basis of the facts that I'm telling you, not necessarily, you know, um, certainly solely not on my personality or my, my eminence. That's fascinating. Go ahead. I was going to say sometimes character comes into play, right? There's something about my character. In other words, if I make a a big claim uh, about something or other, you might as a point of entry into whether you're going to discuss this with me or not or whether you're even going to entertain my ideas, you might want to know something about my character. But to base what I say solely on my character or even mostly on my character would in most cases, I think, be a big mistake. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess and when, what's fascinating to me is we've talked about this a little bit before. This is, a, this is where I see a lot of business and kind of the whole online internet community stuff going as well. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not so much do you have a degree, like a college degree or a graduate degree or you know, where you went to school. It's, mm. it's what do you bring to the table? Does it right. work? Is it true? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a track record? Mm-hmm. Do you know, are you successful? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, and related to this, this is, this is kind of somehow ties in, I think, at, at least in terms of does someone have credibility? So yeah. we haven't met in a while. Here's a crazy idea. I'm just throwing yeah. this out there. All right. <laughs> and for anyone out there, you know, we talked about a lot a lot about Labrie. Greg's at Labrie in Switzerland. There's a Labrie conference coming up in Minnesota. You're kidding. February 13th and 14th in Rochester, Minnesota, 2015. <laughs> so, I don't know, I'm I'm kind of throwing this out there to the listeners. If if you're interested in the I don't know, the ideas of Labrie I would caution against the full experience of Libri because I have, I, you know what? I don't think I've been to a Libri conference. I've talked to people that have attended a Libri and then gone to a conference and they've said they are different experiences. Yeah. So I would caution people against attending this conference thinking that that's what it's like to spend a month or two or three or six mm-hmm. <laughs> at a branch. But if you're looking for... I don't know, maybe more of your, quote, people or tribe or whatever word you like to use. This is a this is a potential opportunity. And I'm kind of throwing around the idea myself, maybe of going, I don't know if chances of you going or what that would look like. <laughs> but I wanted to throw out to listeners, if you're, if there's anyone out there that's like, yeah, I'd totally go. It would be, I think it would be great to, well, it'd be great to see you again and meet up a person. And yeah. if there were some listeners out there that were either close to Rochester, Minnesota, which I believe is about an hour and a half from Minneapolis, mm-hmm. or would even travel there to 
It's so it's a thirteenth and fourteenth. The thirteenth is a it's a Friday and a Saturday. This is February, so, right? February, yes. Coming yeah. up, it's not that far away. It's like what two and a half months. All right. Well, yeah, we can we can take a look at that, uh, or I'll, I'll take a look at the schedule and see. I've been to one, and yeah, it is quite a different sort of uh, experience. And the other thing I would probably it's probably worth adding is Swiss Libri and some of the thinking and orientation that exemplifies this place is typically pretty underrepresented there. So I think you're going to see a lot more kind of, uh, yeah, representation from other branches and thinking regarding and from other branches. But uh, you surprised me with that. I like it. I like it. Yeah, we can think about that. So I don't know if that derails where you were going or or, uh, if you have any concluding thoughts for today. No, I mean, I'd just say in terms of future thoughts that have, you know, have my experience, from which my experience here have been the, the kind of the springboard, are really moving back into this this area of, of experience, everyday experience versus exceptional experience. And by exceptional experience, I mean experiences that, that um, I would point to or uh, categorize as uh, instances of God acting in the world. And, and this is, uh, I, I think it's important. And I think it's important to kind of, yeah, on the one hand, be cautious and be suspicious when you hear people talking about this in this sort of, uh, oh, God did this and God did that. Well, you know, it's maybe interesting to dig a little deeper into that. But on the other hand, I think that caution and suspicion are not the final word. And that ultimately, as Christians, we should have a certain expectation that God will act and does act. And it's really figuring out, well, okay, how would that take place? For what, to what end and for what purpose? And, and I think those types of expectations have to come back to the picture of God that we see presented in the biblical text. And they also, there's an interface there with, with kind of experiences. So people have experiences of God that enliven their ability to understand who God is. And as they read the text, they shape in a positive way or can their uh, interpretations of the biblical text. But it's, it's neither one nor the other, right? I wouldn't want to say, the only thing I know about God is what I read in the Bible. Well, this God isn't just, this isn't a description of a being who ceased to exist or withdrew from all potential contact with, you know, uh, human existence two millennia ago. But neither would I want to say that, oh, well, my experience of God says this and the the Bible says that, therefore the Bible is wrong. Well, that's a pretty dicey move to make. I wouldn't make it. And I came across that the other day, the the idea again that, you know, the Bible is the, really the only kind of, it was, it was the highest in a, in a high, in a hierarchy of ways of knowing God, the Bible was placed as, is the highest. Yeah, and I guess... I'm not saying it doesn't have a high place. I'm just not... uh, Over the time that we've had these conversations, I think we've kind of established that it's... Or as I'm understanding, it's a mixture of different inputs. But to say that that's the one and only best one, no. Yeah, I, I think my hesitation is, I guess, that I would want... In the event that I'm 
taking in someone else's experience or taking in my own experience, I'd want to be pretty sure that I'd gone through some pretty rigorous steps in deciphering, interpreting, assessing that experience. And uh, in order to allow that experience to have a voice of any real volume or magnitude in comparison with the biblical text. So I don't want to create this for all time hierarchy. I don't think that's there, right? I, you probably haven't been hearing me say that. But on the other hand, I guess even the writing I'm doing right now is making me reflect on just how important it is to demonstrate credibility in terms of having taken a really thoughtful, well-laid-out approach to how I've appropriate, understood and appropriated these experiences such that I can say, hey, you know, there's an interplay. That would be kind of how I'd put it. Does that make sense? Uh, oh, yeah, I've been shaking my head. <laughs> Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yes, it does. Okay, good, good, good. All right, so uh, anyone out there, this is, I just, you know, I should clarify, Greg and I haven't even talked about this yet, so I just uh, blindsided totally him. You should bring it on. <laughs> so, yeah, so I don't, you know, I'm not sure what I'm saying here, except that, you know, throw us an email at feedback, or throw us an email to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com if you might be there you're interested i don't know no guarantee that either of us are going but <laughs> did just kind of want to throw it out there as a uh, public service announcement nice so any final thoughts or, if I, or is this the second call for final thoughts i i think that's the second call you I okay think I, this is good i like this <laughs> I, I can see more more discussions coming out of this out of what, what's that? Oh, the experience piece? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, especially as you uh, continue to keep me honest. So thank you. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks for the discussion. Thanks for listening to the Untangling Christianity podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. So leave a comment on the website at untanglingchristianity.com slash 70. If you'd like to be notified by email when new episodes are released or other news, subscribe to our mailing list, also available in the right sidebar of the website. We welcome your questions, comments, or suggested future discussion topics by email. Send those to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is made possible by Kevin McLeod over at incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Tune in next week for a new episode.